uh, Speak.Studio original. Hi, I'm Abby, and this is We Have Notes, a podcast for the pop culture obsessed and the people who love them. I hope you're having a good week. Maybe you had some time off this week. I didn't. It's been so busy. But that doesn't mean I don't have some things that I have notes on. And I have a great guest today I'm very excited about. But before we get to her, um, here's what's on my mind. Brittany's writing a book. This is very exciting news. And she got a shitload of money for it, as she should, as she deserves. Um, Jamie Lynn's book is shivering in a corner. But uh, what I want to know is who is her ghostwriter? Like, what a job. What a job. Can you imagine? You're just going to go sit over at Brittany's house and hear her tell, I mean, some harrowing tales. It's going to get really dark at times, but also like she'll probably do some dances. Like she'll, like you can see inside her closet. Like, I, I don't know. I'm just, what a gig. What a gig, what a gig, what a gig. That's number one. Two, I saw a tweet the other day from Netflix. I don't know if it was like the main Netflix account or like I follow like, you know, they have all the like kind of separate accounts for like genres and stuff. Um, the tweet was an experienced sub, a first time dom. Love and Leashes is a thrill ride from start to finish. Hi, I'm going to click on that immediately. And what I've discovered is that Love and Leashes is a South Korean rom-com that I need to get on board with immediately this weekend. Um, everything about this sounds like it was custom made for me. I will report back, but Love and Leashes on Netflix feels like a Friday night uh, special for me. I'm very excited. So stay tuned. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I think. The other thing, another thing is Scarlett Johansson is apparently launching a quote, clean and effective end quote skincare line that frankly, I don't think anybody asked for. Um, it's called the outset, which just makes me think of the outnet, you know, the, like the discount luxury shopping arm of Net-A-Porter. Uh, like, who is this customer for ScarJo? Like, listen, famous people, not everybody needs a, a beauty line, a skincare line. Um, I thought we were past it. I, I don't know. I don't know. Also, I'm just not a ScarJo fan. She irks me on so very many levels. So I'm obviously not the customer. But, like, are her fans the customer? I've got a lot of questions. I'm not sure. I've got a lot of doubts. Uh, unfortunately, I did not have this information before I talked to my guest uh, today because so, she would have been a good one. But um, maybe we'll get a report from her when this uh, line actually comes out. Now, on the on the flip side, will I try products from Haley Bieber's line Road when it launches? Yeah, probably. But... Uh, it's a it's a no from me for ScarJo. Usually just that's a general statement I could make, but definitely about the outset. Also, like clean, uh, clean is such a nebulous term in beauty. Uh, that's a whole other story. But anyway, 
on a sad note, Mark Lanigan, the singer for the Screaming Trees and uh, Queens of the Stone Age, died at like only 57. Ugh. I cannot impress upon you how important I Nearly Lost You by the Screaming Trees was to teenage me in 1992. Like, I nearly lost you. I mean, it's so good. It's still a fucking banger, you guys. If you haven't listened to it in a while, like, put it on. I still keep it in heavy rotation, but I realize that, like, not everybody probably does that. Um, It's just it can like transport you back in time. It transports me back in time every time I listen to it. Um, Like now me likes it, but then I also kind of become then me in, in that moment when I'm listening and singing and I apologies for even singing. I mean, I do that sometimes, but um, no one wants to hear my voice in that way. But it's like, I'm instantly like in my car. I had this, um, the first year of, of Saturns that were ever made. I had this blue four-door Saturn that my parents got me. Thank you, mom and dad. And, you know, I had my like gray case logic with all my tapes, but then, you know, maybe you started to have some CDs. I also used to hide my cigarettes in the, the case logic for the tapes. And then I'd slide it all the way under like the driver's side or the um, passenger side seat. I, you know, I've talked about singles like here and there on the show, but it, it feels like maybe it needs like a whole episode for itself. That movie. I mean, that's the, I nearly lost you is on, uh, the single soundtrack, obviously famously, but, um, that whole Screaming Trees album, Sweet Oblivion, which was kind of like their break breakthrough into like mainstream. They had a bunch of albums before, like that were more like I wasn't cool enough to know about when I was in Indianapolis, Indiana, and it was all happening in like 1989 and 90 in Seattle. But uh, yeah, it feels like we need a singles episode, don't we? So stay tuned. I'll figure that out. And then finally, before we get to my guest, I have been watching, um, have you guys been watching Severance on Apple TV? The first few episodes are out. I think it's three episodes. Um, So far, it's stars Adam Scott and Patricia Arquette, John Turturro, Christopher Walken, like an incredible uh, supporting cast of like character actors, some of whom I think you'll you'll recognize even if you don't necessarily know um, their names. Um, it is, it's giving like very Michelle Gondry, Charlie Kaufman vibes, both like aesthetically and thematically, kind of like you know, eternal sunshine, um, being John Malkovich, like that kind of altered reality from our own, but it's like not necessarily the future per se. Um, but basically just not to give a ton away, it's in this world, um, people can opt to sever their work life memories from their personal life memories so like the person you are at work doesn't remember the person you are at home and the person you are at home doesn't know the person you are at work and like Adam Scott's character works in this for this corporation that's kind of you know like vague about what what do they do Um, he's kind of moving into a management role like it opens and with like 
a possibly new coworker being very confused about where she is and what's going on. Um, you have like your innies and your outies. That's like your two versions of yourself. But like not everyone in this world does this. So like the people at his office do, but like in his personal life where he is dealing with like a massive amount of grief that seems to have led to this decision, which, you know, I'm super into exploring. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. And it's uh, I think at least most of the episodes are directed by Ben Stiller. Um which just also makes me think we need to do a whole reality bites episode too. Um, but anyway, like something appears to be glitching in this reality and, and bringing to the surface, like maybe some more dark reasons why the company is asking people to do this or like what this actual mysterious work is. And it's really interesting so far. And it's like really stunning to look at and the way it's shot and like he, the directorial decisions are really interesting. And there's like this really long sequences of, like walking through these hallways at the office and I, I'm super into it. And even in like the first episodes, like it'll have you questioning like your own relationship to your work and, and the office as we, if you remember the, like not the show, the office, like actually going to an office um, and your work friends and your bosses and your, and your private life. I don't know. I'm, I'm like very into it so far though. I have one, I almost hate to say it, but when you watch, please let me know. Do you think Adam Scott, did something to his adorable face. Like, I would be very happy to hear that this is just me and I'm like, my eyes are failing, but something feels a little off and it's making me a little sad. Even though everyone can do to their faces what they would like to do their faces, like I am freshly injected with some things, but, you know, botulism in my forehead, for instance, but it, I don't know. It feels like maybe there's a filler situation that I don't completely enjoy. I don't know. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you think. But um, that's it for me rambling today. Now we will get on to my guest. She's a return guest, Gwen Flamberg. Uh, we had a really fun conversation about some things we're watching, including Inventing Anna, The Tinder Swindler, Euphoria. It's a great combo. So we'll be right back with Gwen. This week's guest is a returning favorite. In case you missed her the first time around, you can go back all the way back to episode seven and listen to us chat about Brad Pitt and taking great photos with Rihanna and JLo and old beauty editor days and more. But in case you missed it, Gwen Flamberg is the executive editor of Beauty and Style for Us Weekly, and she also hosts her very own podcast called Glam Squad Confidential, which gives you the inside scoop straight from all the biggest, brightest stars in the world of beauty. And you can also catch her on YouTube on Us Weekly's Style Files, which is such a fun show that I got to be a guest of recently. But Gwen also possesses the most enviable head of hair I've ever borne witness to in real life, along with an undeniable quick wit and a beauty product recommendation at the ready for your every need. I am lucky to call her one of my best friends, and I am very much looking forward to taking our show on the road, almost famous style this summer, from L.A. to London as we hit up some of our fave concerts. As I have noted before, she is the Penny Lane and I am the Sapphire, and we are very, very open to anyone who would like to produce any manner of show or web series about our adventures. Call us. But today we have a lot to say about scammers and inventing Anna 
and euphoria and much more. Please welcome my beloved Gwen Flamberg back to We Have Notes. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be back on the pod with you, Abby. And of course, I'm even more excited to, yes, take our show on the road this summer as we are uh, modern band-aids. And guys, yeah, call us, text us, <laughs> yeah. slide into our DMs. Really, just get in touch. because we DMs are open, exactly, always open. <laughs> exactly. Because we are, we are, uh, we are even going across the pond. Like we are going to Wembley Stadium, we are going to the Hollywood Bowl, we are going to iconic locations. Well, to that's see why people. That's why yeah, we're doing it. That's that's why we're doing it to see people like Hyam, to see people like Harry Styles. You know, and we who, don't who play else small. knows what might come up? No, we don't no. play small. It's going to be a good time. I'm so excited. I'm like, is it summer yet? I'm like planning my outfits. Well, May is not too far away. It's really not. May, May and June, we have some big, yeah. And I just get to travel with you. And it's that makes gonna be me great. so happy. It's going to be great. I can't wait. So how is everything? How was, uh, how was Fashion Week? How was New York Fashion Week? Fashion Week, I have to say, was kind of exciting because it had a lot of energy, which, you know, this fashion week, the one that's in the winter, um, showing the fall, um, clothes, but it's always in February. And even historically in the before times, it had less energy than the fashion week. It's counterpart, um, that happens actually in the fall because it's cold and the weather is bad. And usually a lot of celebs aren't here and like people aren't really into it and blah, blah, blah. But I have to say that this season was super exciting because there was amazing energy. There was this feeling of kind of coming out of the pandemic. At this point, everybody knows how to stay safe and keep everyone else safe. So, you know, we managed to go indoors to shows wearing masks and, you know, but really being in it. And I felt also like the designers, you know, got the assignment and and there was some like major amazing stuff on the runways. And, you know, one of my favorite shows that I went to um, was Laquan Smith, because not only was I in the front row and Julia Fox opened the show and it was kind of an epic moment, but it just felt the clothes felt like party clothes, like kinds of like Party clothes for a lady. If this is what, you know, we're going to be mm-hmm. kind of getting back into society. This is what we're going to be wearing. And the other thing that I have to say was so cool and so refreshing was that I was a minority in the audience. And that felt really refreshing. Yeah, that's good. That's good stuff. That did not used to be the case right, by any right. stretch of the imagination. Yeah, those clothes were beautiful. They were really fun. Really fun, really fun. It was just, it was fun. Yeah, you had to like go to things. It was really fun. And, you know, of course, all the high-end stuff was amazing too. I mean, everything was just absolutely beautiful. Jason Wu, Prabal Garong, just absolutely beautiful, beautiful clothes. We're going to be wanting to wear clothes again. I mean, you know, athleisure is never going to go away because now we know what it feels like to be in an elastic bounce all day. Okay. Yeah. 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 Not going to go away. But um, it really just feels like everyone's excited to get dressed and live again. 
Yeah, it did feel like, obviously I wasn't there, but it did feel like more of that energy. Like you said, like in September, A, obviously it's like beautiful in New York in September, but it's also very like back to school vibes because everyone's been kind of like, in the, again, before times, like everyone had been like away on the weekends in the summer and then you get back in like early September and you get to go to fashion week and go to parties and see beautiful clothes. And it kind of felt like it had that energy a little bit, even though it was February and gloomy weather wise it wasn't gloomy like vibes wise and there was a lot of like very long hair and you know that makes both of us very happy (laughs) listen here is here is the thing abby it is about extremes beauty now what we're gonna see in the spring it is either about extreme length like you and i have or it's about the haircut. The haircut is coming yeah. back. This Bixie cut, which is in between a pixie and a bob, but it is like supremely wearable. The fact that, I mean, I love that Florence Pugh cut that haircut, but the fact yeah. that J. Crew chose to put her on their cover, this reminds me of like in the aughts when J. Crew's beauty was the most mm-hmm. directional beauty. Um, and yeah. and it's this is this is it. This is back. People are are going for it. People are making statements, and we're going to be seeing a lot of short haircuts. And I'm psyched. I'm psyched. It doesn't that haircut doesn't work for me, but I want to see it out in the world. Oh yeah, like, I'm, not I'm cutting excited about it. Yeah, like we're not, not cutting, cutting anything. It. But no. but I'm excited for haircuts. Like I that makes me jazzed for for people and just like. You know, I like extremes always. So <laughs> yes, you do. I mean, I think that you know, it's it's a statement. Any yeah, any moment in history when people have made statements with their beauty, specifically, I think it's like um, it's noteworthy and it's exciting because we've kind of been in this kind of great pause for two years now, and I think that. Just something like people are cutting their hair and coming out of hibernation and making statements is it's it's exciting. It's optimistic. It's optimistic and it's interesting and it's 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 directional, like you said. And it I don't know, it like I just feels it feels more it has more feeling behind it. And I think like that's the thing that everyone's striving for in whatever in fashion and beauty in their lives like I want to feel things again (laughs) like you know there's been this great numbing and obviously people have felt a lot of pain and stress and things but I I mean in the positive way you know like you just want to feel again like that way when you feel when you go to a great party or you have a great random night that just takes you in places you never you know exactly Yeah. yeah I think people are open to new experiences now and that's great yeah It's very exciting. Um, But it does also means we're not going to stop watching our shows and our things. And we had been texting a bunch about inventing Anna. And so I was like, you have to come on and talk to me about it because we have a lot of notes. We have a lot of notes, a lot of notes, a lot of notes. So let me we'll set it up if you haven't watched Inventing Anna. I mean, it's the number one show on Netflix. God, you know, we're all watching it. It It's about Anna Delvey. This woman who was basically a con artist, like pretending to be like a faux socialite heiress who scammed a lot of people and banks and things and was uh, the the series produced by Shonda Rhimes. It's like her first big original show for Netflix, even though she, she does Bridgerton, but that, you know, like was based on the books and stuff. This was this is based on a New York Magazine article by Jessica Pressler that we were both obsessed with the second it came out that details this scam this long con 
Uh, what else would you add about the show as like background to the story? I mean, the interesting thing about it is that it does capture a very specific moment in time in New York City. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like bottle service and bros is how yeah. I'm going to put it. Uh, so I thought that that was it was just the whole thing was just sort of wild. Yeah. And it was like a delicious story to read. Um because I wasn't familiar, you know, until I read Jessica Pressler's story. And then there was there's also the story by this woman who is portrayed by Katie Lowe's in the in the series who worked at Vandy Fair and got scammed. Hosed. Hosed for 62,000 big ones. Yeah, put it on her Conde card like things were bad. Uh, anyway, so this got developed. It's been, you know, a much anticipated series. I was very excited about it. And... Uh, to start with, I just wish it was a better show. <laughs> what are your? What was your initial thoughts? What are your initial thoughts? Okay. Um, first, it started, and it was really exciting. Like just yeah. the direction, the vibe, the energy, the music. It almost felt to me like old school Shonda um, with Scandal. You know, just yeah. the way it was cut. Um, and I was really excited about it. But it it very quickly, I don't know if it was in the second episode, um, it, it got really slow, really fast. It yeah. got really slow and it got really mired down in the life and times of Vivian, who was, you yeah. know, the character for Jessica Pressler, the writer. And it was kind of like it became apparent that this whole thing was about the writer inventing yeah. Anna as much as Anna may have invented Anna. And quite honestly, I just I just wanted more about Anna and Anna's story. And as you say, you know, when when these pieces first broke, I was most into the Vanity Fair story. And I could not forget about Morocco and what happened yeah. in Marrakesh. And I yeah. just wanted the whole miniseries to be in Marrakesh. Like, I was like, take me to La Mamunia, show me champagne drinking, and then, like, let's let's get this started. You know, it just felt a little bit slow and kind of off to me. Like, I remember you and I texting one night where I was like, I don't need to take the bus to Rikers again. Like, get me off the bus to Rikers. I want to see... <laughs> Anna shopping for clothes. Yeah, like it. You know the the thing that I think that I will say that I think is very good about the show is Julia Garner, oh. who plays Anna, Beyond. who is phenomenal in everything she does, um, and she has such range. And and for the record, for people who have, haven't read about this as much as uh, others, uh, that weird accent she does, like, is people are on the record as like that is how yes. this woman talks, like, and she, she never it. broke. Accent. No. I mean, you no. really did. You really, truly did believe that Julie Garner was this woman. Absolutely. Like that part felt like document. And I and and to your point, like I wanted to see more of her. And it is more in the first half of the series, but not even enough then of her like running her game, like right, <laughs> running right. Well, this game just, around New York. It, like It didn't, um, and it may just be that without, you know, inventing more to the story, there just might not be more reporting, but 
I, it, it just wasn't clear Then make to it me. up. <laughs> make right. It up. Like, you know, that was very key with like, what did they say at the beginning of each episode? This story is is completely true, except for the parts that are entirely made up or whatever. Right. Um, like the guy at Fortress, what about this girl who, if she was getting her hedge, I mean, her trust fund at 25, she was 23 or 24 at the time. And it just was not apparent to me what would have made these people buy into her ideas? Like, why? Yeah, like, why was Anthony Edwards so bought in? Like, you know, it's one thing to, like, flash your money around at a dinner party or dinner table or at the hotel, you know, like, but, like, what was so great about her idea? What was, like, making these allegedly intelligent behemoths of industry like buy into her bullshit there just wasn't enough um backstory in the show to support that and like and then just like in the reality of it like i don't know about you i mean i've never had the audacity to like not give a credit card when i check into a hotel but like i just don't understand you know it's like you 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 gotta pay a bill like i don't understand how this went on for years and it just wasn't that wasn't apparent in the in the docu series, mini series, whatever it's purporting itself to be. Yeah, it's it's a mini series. I think it's it, and like and like give me more of like that. What I liked about uh, Jessica Pressler's original story, and I guess you just if you lived in New York at this time or lived in New York, you you could you either know it knew this scene or you were aware of the scene or you were allegedly in the scene. You know, like like the peep this kind of kid like young people running around like trustafarian trust fund like oh i'm into art you know and maybe you maybe maybe you were a schnobble so you were into art or like whatever but you're like running around in that scene and that downtown party scene like of course julia fox is friends with this woman and like give me a little more of that nightlife scene and also that will show you why these these other people got sucked into her world and she was paying for them and she was like you know she was moving money around and doing all this stuff but like I wanted to see more of that which was which is fun to watch right and then it gives you more of the downfall too like exactly and and like Morocco like you said like give me like the whole because the Vandy Fair piece is basically like a play-by-play of everything that that happened in Morocco and it's like yeah give me everything and also I I didn't I couldn't get enough of like why these friends like why was Neff so bought in like why was you know you got it to some extent like you're getting paid for you're going to these fabulous places you're doing fabulous things yes on that surface level I get but like there had to be more like, why is she going to the mat for this woman? Like so hard again, like the biz, like the business people. That was the other thing. Yeah. I mean, I I did not understand any of that. The older woman socialite where they're living in her house. Like if this girl is purporting to be so, so rich, you know, rich people usually like have their own apartments. (laughs) Even if they don't own one, they rent one. Like, why is nobody questioning what's going on here? And then um, what really, really, really bugged me was the last 
I don't know if it's the last couple of episodes or just the last episode. Well, they when, all felt 100 years long. So who can say? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> more bus rides to Rikers, but <laughs> more of the waiting room at Rikers. But I do love that woman with the eyeshadow. I'm sure that she actually is at Rikers. I almost want to go to Rikers yeah. to like get her beauty secrets. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but, um, by that last episode, there was just so much sympathy for her. I mean, it was almost yes. like... All these people who were like, let's do it for Anna. Like, WTF? Like, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Why was there so much so much sympathy or even empathy for this person who, you know, lied to so many people, stole a ton of money. The guy who was her attorney, it like destroyed his marriage like which by the way I didn't need to know about either right I agree with you I agree with you although I do love um that I love him yeah Yeah. and I love the actress Uh, he's too I yeah yeah oh god she's so good in station 11 and I I I didn't mind that as much as the reporter's backstory which we'll get to in a, a minute but like yeah like they everyone he was like destroying his life for her Why? and it's just kind of like how to what you know, to what end can you defend this person where the evidence is so clear? Well, and she's not nice, which is glorious to watch. I love when she's just like, why do you dress so poor? You know, it's like fun to watch, but she's like not kind to people or nice right. to people. Right. Well, this was what was very to me also kind of not really explained. Is she mentally ill? Or is she just a con artist? It kind right. of wobbled between the two. Yeah. You know, it's like, are you a malignant narcissist who truly, are you a, a full-on sociopath or a psychopath? Or yeah. are you just someone who, you know, was teased in high school and so you're going to, like, get back at everybody? I mean, none of it made sense. By the time they go to Germany and find the father. It's just like, none of it makes, it just doesn't add up. Nothing made any sense. And it's like, we, you took, it's nine episodes. I feel like it could have been like a tight five. And like, you're, you're now on the tail end of this story and you're not even like with Anna anymore. And you're spending more and more time with the Vivian character who is played by Anna Klumski and of course, I've loved Anna Klumski since she was a child. She's Veda Saltenfuss. Like, we love Anna Klumski. She's great on Veep. I have to say, and I told you this, the thing she, she got really so overacted. She, the, the acting choices she makes uh, were so displeasing to me that I almost had to stop watching the show. Like, it's so frenetic and, like, hysterical and, like... Uh, and a little she, meta. Like, I know yeah. that your character is pregnant, but get Botox. Just a little Botox would have helped. I'm fine with that. I'm freshly shot up myself, and it's very nice to look at my forehead. Um, but, like, I, her acting choices were an abomination to me. And I I know that I'm not – I have gotten multiple text messages from people who have expressed similar uh, feelings. And then we just spend more and more time with her. And it's so funny because another friend – who we both know, but I I don't want to call her out, but like, she was like super, she's like, this is so fun. And I was like, what episode are you on? And I go, talk to me, just come back to me. And then she like texted me and was like, 
is like, oh, I'm not having fun anymore. I don't like this anymore. And she's like, I have to finish it, but I don't like this anymore. And I was like, yeah, that's a sentiment I've heard a few times. Getting back to the storytelling, like when the writer goes to Germany to find her father. Okay, if she was going to write a piece about Anna Delvey's father and what created this monster, that's interesting. But it seems like she was there for some sort of vindication for Anna. Like, I just did not understand the storytelling in the end. Yes, exactly. And and it's like, she was like, I feel for her. Like, she has all these emotions right. for her. And I'm like, why? This woman has never been anything but cold and a cold-hearted bitch to you and about you. And yes, you got this great story that blew up. But like, you can be... Like I, it would make sense to be like, and it, and it, like in the in the context of the show, like put kind of writes some things in her career and whatever. But like, why do you have feelings? Like, like feelings that soft, soft feelings or like maternal feelings or like big sister feelings for this girl. She has given nothing that we have been shown on screen would indicate that anyone should be like throwing away anything for this woman, you know. And you're supposed to be like the. And I, I don't know, it was like, there was some kind of like girl, some terrible girl boss vibes to me. And I hate girl boss vibes, you know? And it was like, yeah, I'm I'm going to stick it to the man. Because there's, we can get into her New York Magazine or Manhattan Magazine in a second. But like, yeah, it didn't make sense. Like why? And again, we spend so much time, but we don't really learn anything about her. It's like, oh yeah, her parents like weren't monsters. Okay, I guess. Like what? There's no trust fund. So that should end that discussion. But it doesn't. It doesn't. (laughs) Okay, by the way, IRL, I am following the Anna Delvey on Instagram. Oh, yeah. She's uh, she's mad at uh, Rachel. But it's just crazy that she has an Instagram. (laughs) Why does she have an Instagram? I just don't understand. Like this woman is a felon, but also like. Okay, so she had to pay her restitution, but I'm sure that it wasn't all of the people that she built. Oh, no. Not even close. So, like, no way. And by the way, she paid her restitution from the fee that she got from Shondaland. Yeah. Explain this to me. I'm so confused. Is she still in Rikers? No, I believe. No, she's out. So she's she's out, out, right? And now she's in ICE custody. So she is in a holding facility, but she's not in Rikers. She's somewhere else, but she's not free. She's in custody, right? She's in custody awaiting this, you know, ICE thing, which makes sense. Are they going to deport her like um, Teresa (laughs) Teresa from Real Housewives of New Jersey's husband, (laughs) Joe Giudice? I always want to say it like the way I think it should be pronounced, but they don't pronounce it like that. I could swear in my time at Us Weekly when the show, like when Jersey Housewives was maybe in its second season and they were at the height of their fame, I could swear that my phone rang one day and it was like, hello, Gwen, it's Teresa Judice. But now on TV, they say Judice. I, I don't know. I swear she used to say Judice. Yes. And I was always Shut like, I don't think me. that's the way it should be <laughs> said. But it's your name, so you say it however you want. But I really do. It's so, oh, you know, that's a whole other thing. But it, yeah, I just, I, I just think that. And I also think like they didn't have to. I think that the thing with the writer storyline as a framing device 
can work. It's just it was too much of the story. Like, so if you take another Jessica, literally another Jessica Pressler story, which is the story that became Hustlers, the movie Hustlers. There is also a right. Julia Stiles plays like a writer character, the the reporter character. Yeah, but in it's that. more in the background. But it's yes. it's in the background. It's literally just the framing device for like Constance Wu and Jennifer Lopez, and you know their stories to be told. And that's cool. That works. It's like I'm not saying, but like no one. Wa- I don't really care about like your marriage, Anna Klumsky's character, and and then there's the whole thing at the F- Manhattan Magazine, which is stand in for New York Magazine, and. This show is rife with um, people from Shondaland because Shonda hires her people like which is great. I love it. Like, you know, you've seen them on Grey's. You've seen them on Scandal. You've seen them on both. You've seen them, you know, and because a lot of those people that ended up on Scandal had been on Grey's in either one episode or multiple episodes like um, Cyrus is, you know, Thatcher Gray, Meredith's dad, like the rich socialite woman is Ellis Gray, Meredith's mom, but she she was also the vice president on Scandals. So I love that. That's great. I loved seeing all their familiar faces. But like the 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 writers in Scriberia, which all these New York mag people will tell you is a real totally. uh, area of the office. And it, they were like, yeah, that's where the long form writers sat the, is Scriberia, which is a great name. And I love that. But like these three seasoned journalists seem to have devoted their entire professional days to also working on this story and like doing this story. (laughs) And and it doesn't make any sense to me. Kind of like in this, like, let's help the kid. Like, yeah, so Anna Klumsky is like 40, first of all. Of course, it seems really out of place for me. I mean. You know, I do. But I liked their characters. Those characters were actually funny. (laughs) I mean, it it almost made me feel like, you know, I wanted, I wanted, and I wanted a little bit more of that. You know, the backstory of that she had had this real issue with a fact checking flub, you know, and that she was trying to prove herself. This was the first big story for her after she had. Um, made a grave error that was obviously very public. If you're going to make that a point of her character and a defining point of her character, you got to give us more of it. So it was like, and then it flitted around. I was like, we could have done this more in a more linear fashion. Like I just, it was such a mess. I could never figure out when anything happened. Like I was like her whole relationship with that Chase guy. Yeah. Kind of like then just dropped off. Like, so she just broke up with him, but never heard from him again. But, oh, he's destitute. Like I, 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 oh, he's a scammer too. And I, I just, honestly, it was very, the storytelling was very flawed, but I have to say another, um, Netflix yeah. mini series or real docu-series on a swindler was that Tinder swindler, which I yeah. kind of loved. Now well, that, that was, was much more fun storytelling. to watch. <laughs> right? It was compelling. Tell tell the people what if they haven't watched Tinder Swindler. Oh God, if you guys have not watched Tinder Swindler and you are someone who app dates or you're just someone alive in 2022 who, you know, has to deal with the way that people consume content and the way that people interact, you must watch the Tinder Swindler. Um also, lots of questions there. A lot of but questions. the storytelling was fantastic. It was really a true docu-series. Um, but the way that it was set up was incredible. It was about three different women who met the same guy on Tinder who's used basically the same story to con each of them, I mean, out of many thousands of dollars, which, you yes. know, posed 
several questions such as how desperate for love is someone that they would open a line of credit for someone they've never like met into their home or met their family or met their friends. Or- yeah, like you spent one weekend together and you're like, I have opened you a hundred K line <laughs> of credit. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? But the storytelling was excellent. And the crazy thing is that this, 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 these are three real women who yeah. brought down a real swindler. Yeah. And it was, I was super compelled. Like one of those women, right, didn't even sleep with him. I'm like, what, what are you doing? Right. Well, she was just, she was just his friend. I don't know why she would have given him money. I mean, how lonely do you have to be, you know, to get taken by this? How lonely do you have to be to fall in love with someone who talks about their enemies and has a Russian bodyguard? (laughs) You know, this is a red flag. It's a red flag. He's, he's constantly like telling these women and then like one time he'll pay them back. Like and so then they like, oh, think he has the money. But he's like constantly thinking that like people are after him and like he's in danger and he's like on the run. And like this also happened in this show. I don't know if you watched this on Netflix, but I would also recommend it. The Puppet Master. Oh, I haven't watched it yet, but I shall. Okay. But it's along the lines of like the Tinder swindler, but maybe even darker. Like, cause this guy, like the Tinder swindler is basically like stealing money from these women. Right. And, and wrecking their, uh, I can imagine sense of self (laughs) just i mean one would think but this puppet master guy is also like having people like leave their families and like he he feels like more like a cult leader wow but also kind of had this thing where he pretended like he was like mi6 and that like this and and that like he was infiltrating like um the IRA and like all this stuff. It's really dark, but it's really compelling. The first rule about being MI6 is you don't tell your Tinder dates that you're MI6. Yeah, this guy was like a pre-app guy, but was doing the same thing. Like over over a cocktail is like, hey, guess what? It's like, you know what? That would be my, I'd be like, I'm out the fucking door. Exactly. You're not a fucking spy. Get out of no, here. No, I'd be like, all right, I'll have a third drink with you because then I'm leaving and I'm never going to see you again because the shit you told me is crazy. But I will like use it as a great dinner party anecdote to like the end of time, but you will get nothing from me and you will be blocked. Like... And I get, you know, listen, I have been extremely single for an extremely long time and never once have I been, and again, I mean, again, people come from different places and different levels of thing, but like, just to be like, hey, we spent a weekend together. Can you loan me a hundred K? Can you loan me a hundred dollars would seem extreme for someone I just met. I mean, let's be honest. It's like, I'm slow and steady when I date and like, I'm not even paying for dinner until like the fifth date. <laughs> like, no, yeah. I'm not even offering like this is a date, a traditional yeah. date. Yes. Like, it's just wild to watch. And then you're just like watching these women get sucked in. And it's like, there's that, um, God, why am I blanking on the name? A podcast I listened to recently. And this woman was like catfish for 10 years. And I'm like, you know, uh, our mutual friend Bonnie and I have had the conversation like, you can't call someone your boyfriend if you've never met them. Exactly. It's just a fact. And I'm sorry. Like, you can be, there are friendships. I have very true friendships. Um, with people online, you know, like that I have met online that are mostly virtual, but I would be like, we are friends. Exactly. But I, I have never, 
ever been in a quote unquote romantic relationship with someone I have never met. It's insane. Like that, that doesn't you can't, even, it's not the definition not of a romantic relationship. And by the way, if you're in a relationship with someone who tells you that they're living on an oil rig in the middle of the ocean <laughs> and that's why they can't come see you, that's a red flag. Yeah. danger danger get out and again also if that is coupled with a a request for money yes exactly exactly or access to your accounts or your amex like don't do it i mean again though i and it's you know, and there are people who will be like, we shouldn't watch stories about these people's pain. I'm like, these women participated in Tinder Swindler. Like, we're fine. I'm fine with watching. That's this. what was p- kinds of great about the storytelling is that it it wraps up, and there, um, you know, it's I don't want to give anything away for anybody, but it's 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 a great watch because you know it's like yeah. the one who really like gave up so much. It's like she's. You can see even at the end, she's remorseful, but she also is wistful for the relationship that she thought she was in. It's really interesting. And then, you know, there's the one who just like totally brings him down. And it's amazing. It's amazing. Well, there's a real beginning, middle and an end. There's a proper story structure. There's a narrative structure. Uh um, And it's it's a true story. And you're hearing it from the mouths of these women who lived it. And then you're getting like these shots of like, this guy I mean whatever and he's still you know out roaming these streets too apparently he's been banned from tinder finally (laughs) I mean it's isn't that insane and this is why I don't use the motherfucking apps like I can't it's just it's like not everyone's even if you're not a scammer it's like everyone's so full of shit it's just but I do love a scammer story and that's why inventing Anna was so freaking to just disappointing it it was a fun watch but you know not going down as like in my top five of best series ever <laughs> no um wait before i let you go on with your day are you watching anything else that you like is there anything else we need to be watching and discussing um i mean i'm so obsessed with euphoria i'm yeah. so oh, we obsessed should talk about it with this season of euphoria i don't know if that's a whole separate episode because there is a lot to unpack yeah it, it's been if you're if you guys are watching the whole season it's a really interesting season because the storytelling tools have changed a bit from season one um and a lot of people have mixed feelings about that but even those things like i think that it is all gonna wrap up into it's all gonna come together and it's all gonna make sense I know. I mean, I think he could use a writer's room. I think like one singular voice is like a thing. It's bolstered regardless, but like there's always interesting ideas, right? And then there's always incredible performances. And then there's episodes like the Rue, you know, the, the, the most recent like Rue. Episode five. Yeah. Episode five. You know, was was out of this world. Out of this world. world. But yet, you know, like, the whole like Keystone Cops bit, that felt very out of place to me. You know, like, yeah. but I mean, that episode, it's, it will go down as one of the best episodes in, in television history. I mean, it is, a, it's a piece of art. You know, I think the season is just a piece of art. And that's yeah. what I mean by saying like the things that like people have really questioned, like this sort of Busby Berkeley scenes that, you know, there's, 
it will all come together because I think that a lot of this season is in someone's head. It's really interesting. And the thing about really good art is that like it's there is no perfect art right and so like there's so much to discuss there's like so much meat on the bone with this show that like I could never be mad at it even if I like nitpick it it's almost like I nitpick it because I love it so much whereas like inventing Anna I'm like I'm annoyed and nitpicking this is like it's more like discussion worthy all the time and I think like there's fair points to be made about like is it always a good television show versus like, is it always a good, is it a great piece of art? And I don't think those two things always like go hand in hand, but like also this most recent episode on Sunday was a triumph of a totally different kind than like the Rue, than episode five, like episode seven was such a masterpiece in so many ways. And like, you know, just the cutting back and forth. So it's the episode for anyone. It's the episode with the Lexi's play. play. It's Lexi's the play. play. <laughs> the play's the thing. The play's the thing. So, you know, which is like, and of course, like Lexi made like a Broadway playbill. Like it's like the details are so good. But the way it cut between like what was happening on stage, what was flashback to the thing that was being reenacted on stage, what was like audience reaction to their lives being portrayed on stage like all the levels it was so good you know I just love that in season two there were you know two tangential characters in season one who now are my favorite characters and that's Lexi and of course Fez Fezco you know like yeah so it's just it's it's you know I feel like a lot of euphoria is just it's a statement about life now and even that, that like the star of the moment isn't necessarily always the star of the moment. Like people are always evolving and changing and, you know, I I just think it is so genius on so many levels. And then of course the the beauty, the beauty and and, and the style, you know, it's kind of like, and I think that we talked about this, maybe not on your last podcast that we were on, but I believe when you were on our style file show, um, we have so many crossover events, Abby, so many crossover events, but you know, the a last multiverse. time it's a multiverse, <laughs> it's a multiverse. <laughs> the last time that beauty and fashion was like a character in a series, it was sex in the city, the original sex yeah. in the city. And that was, you know, some of our criticism about, and just like that in euphoria, the beauty and the, and the clothes in a lot of ways and in some very, very micro ways, it's it, it's a character. Yeah. It's a major statement to the narrative. And I just find that so brilliant. And it's quite honestly, so it's, it's sparked a real, you know, an IRL trend, too. Yeah. Well, I, I saw I forget where Maude was talking about this Maude Aptal who plays Lexi. But Maude was saying uh, she was talking about the evolution of Lexi's makeup, especially obviously over the course of this season, um, because she was, you know, this more secondary character last season and 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 talking about Lexi coming into her own and how they've been subtly doing that through her makeup on the show and especially like her lip color and all of that. And if you're a person who pays attention to beauty, you've probably like like Gwen or me, you have probably noticed it, but it's brilliant. It's so Some main smart. character energy portrayed through yeah. the makeup. Although, you know, Lexi's style 
is so Lexi style and it's so different yeah. than the other character style. And that's yeah. a plot point in and of itself. Well, and then what they did with like Sydney Sweeney's makeup as as like she is like giving herself wholly over to the monster Nate Jacobs. And like like I saw someone, uh, I don't remember if it was on TikTok or Twitter, but they were like, oh, I love how they gave her like the clown version of Maddie's makeup. Like it's like she is, you know, and then that that moment in a couple episodes ago where she's doing her her beauty routine every morning. And then the one day when he looks at her is the day she looks like Maddie and who is her best friend who used to go out with this guy. And I, it, there's just like these little things. And then when you look at this cat, this like winged cat eye thing that she's got going on with the liner like up on the mid part of her lid and out and then you're like oh it's like but she's doing it in like a pastel version of like Maddie's like black. It's getting messier the more she becomes unhinged like if you remember the Amy Winehouse documentary what started as a simple cat eye flick then became that crazy Amy Winehouse you know and wing that as she got more and more unhinged, it got bigger and crazier and messier. And this is what's, you know, it, it's just showing that the decisions, the choices that Cassie has made um, are just more and more extreme. Yeah. And kind of like she's she's melting down. And and every one of these young people is incredible, an incredible performer. Like, I know I'm not uh, getting enough Barbie Fihara this uh, season. Yeah, I was going to say her. justice for Cat, like justice for Cat, because I will say, like, you know, Jacob Elordi is a beautiful man, and Nate Jacobs is a monstrous person who has complicated layers too. Da da da. I think we had a little too much Nate Jacobs this season, and I could have done for more Cat, like justice for Cat. You know, that's one of my nitpicks with the show, but like. Because just Barbie's so awesome. I also love, though, the way that Hunter Schaefer's Jules has evolved this season. She oh. is a just, she is a superstar. And like, and, and Jules' makeup and hair has obviously been like a huge thing for both seasons of the show. But she really has, they've really done so many. She's gotten, her hair and makeup has gotten more subdued. Yeah. As she yeah, it's like less come into her own and gains more confidence and is truer in who she is. It's it is not by accident. And I no. obviously no. really appreciate all of that. And then of course that Rue wears zero Ugh. makeup this season. And her skin, when she's detoxing, oh she God. actually oh looks like a human who is detoxing. Like that's that layer, the way they could make that layer of filmy sweat like on her and like pasty and then the way they um do Zendaya's hair too as she was like falling apart and it's such a mess and you just like true and then her performance is so incredible that you like it's like all the pieces are coming together and I think like the writing was amazing and and all of it but it's like that's how important like style choices and glam choices and all of those things are and when it's done so well you're just like wow 100%. But then, and Dominic Fike, you know, who Dominic Fike and Hunter Schaefer are together in real life. My friend saw them at brunch at a tiny little place in Woodstock, New York. But what is the deal with Elliot? Is he real? Is he... I know. Is Is he he the manifestation? You know, of course, it's like I go on all those fan accounts and... Yeah. um, You know, there is this one theory that he is kind of like the personification of Rue's addiction and that he doesn't actually really exist. 
and that and that Jules just realized it eventually because you know it's like when Elliot tells her it's like that's I mean that's I would also, buy into it that scene when she's with him he's taking her away from Rue so it's the addiction that's creating yeah. that separation because if you think about it nobody else has acknowledged Elliot even when they were at the um Bennett household when Rue was like having that tantrum yeah nobody speaks to him the mother says to Rue Jules is here. You know, even Jules yeah. told me that it was a problem. And then you have you hear Jules Rue voice. screaming yeah. at Jules, but she never even acknowledges Elliot and he's sitting there in the room. It's so interesting. And you know that I'm like the levels of like grief and, and Rue has this like, uh, you know, they all all these kids have a lot that they've been handling but like Rue the death of Rue's father which has we've been spending a lot of time with I mean it's always been there but like spending spent some time with this past week too with you know her friend's reactions to Lexi being her best friend at that time and like all like all those different things like I just it's so layered and I there's so much to talk about and it's so it's really I'm gonna miss it even though it's like very intense to watch it every Sunday night like, I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous for Sunday. I'm so well, I'm nervous. so nervous because, you know, we says. haven't seen the last of, <laughs> of Lori, the deadpan drug addict, the deadpan drug dealer. Oh, there's no one more terrifying. Like, when she's just like, hey, Rue, have you ever injected drugs before? Why don't you come get in the bath? Oh, I mean, that whole scene, the whole thing with like... When she says how, you know, that's why it's good to be a woman, because you don't need money. You owe, you have something that everybody wants. So, you know, <laughs> I, was ter- I was just it's chill, such abject terror, such abject terror in that and, scene. And I mean, our Fezco, I'm very worried about our Fezco, I am too, obviously. but I have, I have a theory about what is going to happen. I'm terribly worried. I'm terribly worried, but from the very beginning of this season, from the episode about grandma being a G... Yeah. You you understand a little bit more about how and why Fez is the ultimate survivor. And I feel really good about it. I feel okay. good about it. Make me feel better. I like you calling him the ultimate survivor because I loved understanding him better. And that was an amazing like they've kind of opened like each episode this season with almost like a 10 minute short film. And that one was one of the best, I think. And yeah, I just love him so much. I mean, he when he was putting on that tie and he was getting he had his little card ready for Lexi and I was just like I love you so much. If I was He's in drug high dealer. school, I would be in love with him. Absolutely. Yes. 100%. He would be my like crush that I would keep from most of my friends. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely because I what I am Alexi. I'm Alexi. You're totally Alexi. I'm Alexi. Yeah, I'm Alexi. I know it. I know it. I would have been bossing people. I I was not a theater kid, but I, I kind of think I might have missed my calling a little bit. But I definitely bossed people around in a group project the way Lexi is bossing people around <laughs> backstage. She's like, listen, you're an actor. Just take the note. OK, <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's the best. It's it's uh, it's and it's one of the and it's wildly successful. The numbers I saw a Vulture piece. Um 
kind of their streaming, you know, it airs on regular HBO and then their streaming numbers, whatever. I think they said the premiere was like 17 million people, which in this day and age, like once they added up like streams and all that. And in this day and age is a phenomenal number for any television show. So, I mean, I can't even. Yeah. So good. It's so good. Um, Well, thank you so much for coming back and talking about all this stuff with me. Of course. Um, Tell everyone where they can find you in all the places. Oh, gosh. Well, guys, on Instagram, I am Gwen underscore beauty. On Twitter, I am Gwen underscore us beauty. Please do check out our new celebrity news and fashion show called Style Files on Us Weekly's YouTube channel. Um, And of course, the Glam Squad Confidential podcast um, on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere where you get your podcasts. And you know, Miss Abby Gardner was an incredible guest and is going to be a new guest in our upcoming episode. Our next episode is the best and worst of TV beauty and style. So we're going to be taking a deep dive into Euphoria, obviously, but also, you know, all the shows right now and what they give and don't give when it comes to style. Amazing. So good. Thanks again. I love you so much. I can't wait to go on tour. (laughs) Um, I will be right back. Thank you so much to Gwen for coming back to chat with me. It's always a good time for me and hopefully I'm sure for all of you too, because she is a treasure and a delight. Thank you to all of you for listening. I appreciate you to like extreme levels. If you like the show, feel free to rate and review. That's always helpful. Share it with a friend. We love a word of mouth over here. And thank you to Timothy Griggs, who helps me put this whole thing together and uh, answers all my inane technical questions and speak studio podcasting. If you want to hear more nonsense from me, you can sign up for the We Have Notes newsletter, wehavenotes.substack.com. That comes out on Fridays and it is free. And you can f- also for free, though, you know, I don't know what the, the soul sucking of a uh, social media does, but I'm doing it nonetheless. You can follow me on Twitter at Abby Gardner, on Instagram at Abby C. Gardner or at we have notes on Instagram and at we have notes on TikTok. And until next week, you know, let's just send some good vibes for our for our guy Fez for Fezco. I'm going to be very on edge until Sunday night's episode of Euphoria, which is the season finale, so like good vibes for Fez. I cannot have anything happen to my Fezco. Though I feel like something's going to happen to my Fezco. And I will talk to you soon. Bye.